All right, good morning, everyone. It is my privilege to be here at Cornerstone. Uh, last time I was here was about eight years ago, and I'm so grateful because you still remember me, and you still pray for me and the ministry there in Japan. Um, you have interceded, just as Lee just shared, interceded on behalf of us as well before the Lord, and that the Lord has been faithful to answer all these prayers. And I am really honored to stand here behind this pulpit again today, because this is a place where the Word of God is preached, faithfully proclaimed every week. And I am really glad that you actually let me stand here the second time. As I have this opportunity to stand before you and preach to you this morning, I want to share my heart with you. And in fact, I am very selfishly motivated today because what I'm going to share with you today is something that I really need to hear. It's something that I really need to be reminded of as being a missionary ministering in Japan, I need to know that I have confident hope. Ministry is not easy, as you know. Men are sinful everywhere, right? And do not conform to the demands of the Lord easily. That creates a lot of different challenges. Different ministries have different challenges and all challenges are hard, no matter what they may be. You may, are, you may be going through some different some challenges. Uh, for some people, that may not be a like, really heavy challenge, but for you going through, it's really difficult, right? Especially when you consider ministering in different culture, different people groups, on a mission field where the gospel has not been reached. There are unique challenges that sometimes overwhelm our hearts. This past week, I heard someone say that the unreached people groups of today are unreached because all the easy fields have already been reached. I thought that was profound. I mean, that probably, it's logically speaking, that's easy to understand, but you know, it's been 2,000 years of Christian history. But again, the unreached people group today are there because these are the, one of the hardest people groups to reach. Only the hard ones are left, and that includes the people of Japan. According to the Joshua Project, which provides some interesting statistical information on missions, Japanese is the second largest unreached people group in the world. Most of the 126 million people living there today have never heard the gospel and not read the Bible. 
There are no physical persecutions of believers, but there are so much social and cultural hardship that hinders the spread of the gospel among the people of Japan. And really, our enemy have done a great job there in Japan. Japan has been termed often today as the missionary graveyard. Not because missionaries are physically dying there, but their careers are. Churches are struggling in many ways, and perhaps the biggest challenges that the churches challenge the church in Japan currently faces and threatens the existence of really existence of the church is the lack of shepherds in the church. Recent studies showed that the average age of pastors in Japan is upper 60s. And the majority of the pastors are in their 70s. I personally have known um, a situation where a pastor of a local church retired at the age of 70. His replacement came a few years later, and he was 73. (laughs) Men, especially young men, are not interested in pastoral ministry that within the next 10 years, significant amount of churches will be without a shepherd. And that trend has already started. I've known many pastors who are caring for three, four different flocks in the area because there was no one to shepherd the flock, to preach the word, to care for the saints. As a pastor of a new church plant, which was planted a couple years ago, and a man who desires to train others for pastoral ministry, where do, I have, where do I find hope in this dire situation? Challenges are real and overwhelming at times. How can I move forward? I know you don't have the same challenges as, as I do, but I do know that you face in your own life and circumstances of life that you sometimes feel helpless and hopeless. Where do you find your hope? Well, if you have Bibles, I believe you do, turn your Bibles with me to Proverbs 3. And we want to look at one of the most beloved verses in the book of Proverbs. Many of you don't even probably need to turn there because you have memorized it. In Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Solomon tells us where confident hope comes from and what it provides for us. And again, I want to share my heart with you today because in this passage, I find my confident hope. The hope that I can go on serving him no matter how hard the ministry is and how grim the future looks. And I need to be reminded as I head back to Japan tonight, and I hope and pray 
that by God's grace, this will encourage you as well and help you as you go through challenges of your own life. So let me read what Solomon told us. It says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. A familiar passage, simple statements. But here, I rely so much because it provides me, as I said, my confident hope. I first want to look where our confident hope comes from. There are three that Solomon identifies in this passage, so let's go through this one by one. First of all, Solomon tells us that our confident hope comes from complete confidence in God. Complete confidence in God. Look at the beginning of verse 5. It says, trust in the Lord with with all your heart. Trusting in God is where our confident hope comes from. And this word trust really is the key word that we must clearly understand. Hebrew dictionaries tell us that the word translated here as trust conveys the meaning of security. Meaning of security. I found it really interesting that In the Septuagint, the Greek translation of Hebrew Bible, Hebrew Old Testament, it is consistently translated, this word trust in Hebrew, as hope or the the idea of looking forward because it expresses our confident expectation of security. Security in God for present and future. With this understanding of this word mean, word trust, one pastor asked his congregation one time this question, and I quote, When you look at your present circumstances or when you look to the future of your life, are you fundamentally confident or fearful? That is the essence, he says. That is the essence of what is at stake when we talk about trusting in the Lord. It's how you look at the future and what your confidence is based on as you look to the future. So let me ask you a question today. The same question. Are you fundamentally confident or fearful? when you look at your present circumstances and when you look at the future. The trust in the Lord, those who trust in the Lord, have that security in mind because you know who he is. You trust God no matter what the external circumstances are because you affirm confidence in his goodness and his faithfulness. 
even when the circumstantial evidences would testify to the contrary, you have hope. You do have hope. Because you say, from the bottom of your heart, I am confident that God is good and he is faithful. You may ask how you could, that, you could have that kind of confidence. The answer is rather simple. It is revealed in his word, right? It is revealed in his word. You see, trusting is, uh, trust is a righteous confidence that we render toward God in response to revealed certainties. It is a revealed certainty that God is loving. It is a revealed certainty that God is gracious. God is holy. God is true. God is infinite. God is self-existent. And he is good and faithful to his people. Who God is, that is revealed in the scripture, is more certain than the next breath you take. And in every circumstances of life, that is the anchor that holds you at the bay of certain confident expectation of security. Let me illustrate this for you. Turn with me again to another familiar passage, Psalm 23. Psalm 23. And look at verse 4 for a moment. Psalm 23, verse 4. David writes this, and I know you know this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, what does he say? What does he say? I fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. You are with me. And later in verse 6, he again writes, Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Well, we don't exactly know the exact circumstances in which David wrote this psalm. But we know that he lived with many challenges and difficulties, including life-threatening situations, both from Saul and his son, Absalom. We can never glean from, we can also um, glean from the context here about dangers he faced. Yet he trusted the Lord, both in his present circumstance and in his future, and said, all is well. Why? Because he knew who his God was. He knew his God is the shepherd that he can have confident hope. Solomon has a little phrase here in verse 5 of chapter, uh, Proverbs 3. It says, trust in the Lord, what? With all your heart. All your heart. The heart is, as we often say, the mission control center of your life, right? 
It is the place of your thinking, your emotions, and your will. And in other words, he's calling you to trust him with all that you are, with single focus. And God demands you to trust him with the entirety of your being. David also writes, you don't have to open this, Psalm 62, verses 5 through 8. Here's what David writes. Listen as I read. He says this, My soul, my soul, wait in silence for God only, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my, my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be shaken. On God, my salvation and my glory rest. The rock of my strength, my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times. O people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Psalm 62, 5 through 8. Is this what you're telling your soul? This morning? Each and every day of your life? Do you have confident hope because you have God as your refuge? Are you saying the only way life can turn out for me is good? Because God is good. And he is faithful. No matter, how, no matter how bad the outlook of life and ministry is, even when the bad and terrible things of life come and unexpected pains and sorrows swallow you up, you trust God with all your heart. Because you know he is good. You know he is loving, he's compassionate, and he's faithful. He placed his son to make you his own. So anchor your hope in the character of God. Live out the conviction of your heart. One of my favorite, the most favorite passage verse for many years now is found in Psalm 119.68, which simply says, God is good, and he does good. Nothing happens in this life can change that truth. So you can trust in him with all your heart. And it makes great sense, don't you, don't you think? To trust in God. Since he is great and good God. Right? However... I can speak from my personal experience. We seem to fail at this, at this miserably in our own lives, don't we? Why do we fail at such a simple and obvious task? Because God is good and he's faithful and we should trust him all the way. Shouldn't have any problem, but we do. We fail miserably. Why is that? Solomon says that it is because we rely on our own understanding. 
rather than relying on God. He basically says this, trusting God means not just having confidence in him, but also relying on nothing but him alone. By placing this contrast of uh, trust in God and do not lean on our own understanding, Solomon is showing us the second aspect of the source of our confident hope. You see, our confident hope comes from relying on him alone. Relying on him alone. In the latter part of verse 5, we see the opposite of trusting in the Lord. That is, depending on what we see and what we understand. The verb lean is a word that describes someone, for instance, with a broken leg leaning on a crutch. It means to support your entire being on something or someone. And Solomon tells us not to put your entire being on your own understanding, on your own figuring out, on your own intuitions, on your own emotional responses. It is a prohibition for relying on an understanding that lacks, that lacks divine instruction. Our natural understanding must be informed and oftentimes needs to be corrected by divine instruction. What is prohibited is to rely on it as a replacement for God. It tells us not to use our own understanding of life as our primary support in life or how we view our lives. Our common sense, our own understanding must always be checked by biblical sense. In fact, we are to cultivate our thinking with biblical thinking, always checking to see if our understanding of life reflects biblical reality. You see, that biblical reality is that God is good. I feel like I'm repeating myself over and over and over, but God is good. That's a biblical reality. And all the characteristics of God revealed in the scripture are true. But when we do not allow this truth to instruct our perceptions, we fail to trust in God. When we make our own conclusion based upon what we perceive as true, then we fail to trust God. Our sense of security lies on what we perceive as good, right? The money provides security. Health gives happiness. We create in our own minds what sustains us in our daily lives. We make up our own causes of happiness. And when these things do not line up as you wish them to be, you panic. I panic. 
I feel anxious, perhaps you do as well, when my life is uncertain. When bad things happen to you, you feel pain. You become doubtful and fearful of your future. How you interpret the circumstances of life becomes the guiding principle of your life. It becomes the controlling factor of how you perceive what goes on, what goes on in this world and your own life. Worse than that, we often reason from our circumstances to project what the character of God must be like. And that is exactly the opposite of what you are supposed to do, right? You're supposed to understand your circumstances from the character of God, not the other way around. Let me ask you a few questions. Is your perception of life circumstances more accurate than what the Word of God says? Is it? Do you know what is good for you better than God does? Do you know how your current situation will turn out to be in the overall purpose of God? Do you? Do you even know what is truly good for you? We often place conditional trust in the Lord. I mean, we trust God as long as things turn out the way we want them to be. But we do not even know what is truly good in our own lives. We're like children who want to eat just ice cream every day and for every meal. Give me this, give me that, because that's what I think is good for me. You know what? If you get all these things, then you will never be like Christ. Right? Christ loved the enemy, right? And if we ask God, because I hate enemies, please remove everyone, then how can I learn how to love my enemy? How can I exercise patience as I long for the day to see Christ face to face, to grow in maturity if we want the easiest life possible? Right? Our perception of life gives us illusions as to what is truly good, making us frustrated and anxious or proud and self-confident, at times even angry at God when things do not turn out to be the way we want. But Solomon says, do not lean on your own understanding. So do you trust in God or do you lean on your own understanding? Do you make conclusions based upon what you feel? Do you make conclusions based upon who God is? Which one would you choose? 
If you place your own feelings and intuitions above the truth of God's word, you really are not trusting in God. And I really do not understand why God has not given Japanese the Great Awakening yet. About 160 years of Protestantism. Since the, the commander Perry forced to open the, open the, the border, sea borders of Japan. Right after World War II, General MacArthur called for thousand missionaries to come to Japan because field is open. There were a few great moments, but never really a great awakening. I don't know why God has not allowed Japanese churches to experience great revival and see many great preachers arise. I don't know why God doesn't do that. And I sometimes do get frustrated over it because I want to see them saved. I want to see them grow. I want the word of God to go forth. Should I be discouraged? Should I doubt the goodness and loving care of God for the people of Japan? Well, I have a choice. Do I trust in the Lord or do I rely on my own figuring out, on my own understanding, on my own conclusions? Now, this leads to the third source. Our confident hope comes from knowing God. Knowing God. You must trust in who God is with all your heart, and you must not rely on your own understanding. And then Solomon says, Acknowledge Him in all your ways. The third point really is how to do the first two. Solomon is telling us how you can live your life trusting in God and not leaning on your own understanding. Again, let's look at our main verb here in verse 6, the beginning of verse 6. What is your impression of the word acknowledge? Maybe it's just because um, English is not, not my first language, but whenever I read this word acknowledge, acknowledge him, I tend to understand this to mean recognize or um, basically simple recognition or be aware of some sort. The Hebrew word here is actually the word to know, know. And it often expresses the intimate knowledge of a husband and a wife. It is the knowledge that God has of us as we see it in Psalm 139, verses 1 and 2. It is the personal knowledge that is pervasive, deep, and intimate. Know him this way. Look also at the qualifying prepositional phrase. It says, in all your ways, know him. In all your ways, know him. The word way refers to all of your paths 
that you go in your life. In all your dealings of life, whatever you say, whatever you do, wherever you go, know the Lord. Know the Lord. That is what this clause is saying. In order to trust God, we must know him in an intimate, personal way. I love how Psalm 9 says in this regard. Psalm 9 verses 8 and 9 says this. The Lord also will be a stronghold for the oppressed. A stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. You must come to a deeper personal relationship with him, with God, as a result of seeking him in all circumstances of life and discovering him to be trustworthy. This only comes, this knowledge of God, to know him in all different circumstances of life, in all your ways, only comes from, comes through the word of God, the word of God alone. It is the scripture that we find an adequate view of God's relationship to and involvement in our life circumstances. It is only from the scripture applied to our hearts by the Holy Spirit that we receive the grace to trust God, whether in times of prosperity or in times of adversity. There is no other place but the word of God to know about God. He has revealed himself in this book. And we must study it, understand it, and know it carefully. In all our course of life, actions, and undertakings, we must strive to have intimate knowledge of our great and good God so that we will live our lives as obedient children of God. Knowing and trusting God is not a secondary add-on to your earthly pursuit. It's not. Your earthly career and your earthly relationship does not have higher priority. It is your primary call of life to know your God as he revealed himself in the word of God. The more you know him, the more you trust him. And the more you trust him, the more you want to know him. Beloved, do you know him? Do you know him? Personally, intimately. Do you know him enough to trust him? 
trust him completely in every circumstances of life. And as you do that, Solomon says, you will gain that confident hope. I said I am preaching this to myself because sometimes the view gets crowded, right? There's challenges all over, not just in ministry, but in personal life. Whatever the circumstances that we go through, the world is in chaos. Do you have that confident hope? I need that confident hope to go on, to marching on, to do what God has called us in our lives, both individually and as a church. When you trust God, rely on him, and know him in all your ways, you will have confident hope in all circumstances of life. Your knowledge of God anchors your heart at the Bay of Hope, even when the storms of life and ministry surround you. But that is not only this only thing Solomon tells us in this passage. He tells also that there is a promise. That's attached to it. When we do this, the first three, we understand where the confident hope comes from and we exercise, we live in trust, full trust of God. That confident hope, what does it do? It provides security. Provides security in our life and ministry. Solomon writes the, at the end of verse 6, he will make your paths straight. He will make your paths straight. Again, the verb to make straight can be translated actually as to make smooth. Make smooth. I like that one. In either case, it may be summarized as removing obstacles so as to walk straight. Removing obstacles so as to walk straight. That sounds great, isn't it? God will remove all the obstacles of life if we trust him. Well, not so fast. True. That sometimes the Lord removes difficult and challenging circumstances and situations from our lives so that we will continue to walk down the path of righteousness. But you know what? Paul, the apostle, who trusted the Lord, I believe, right? And who asked the Lord for removing his obstacles. Remember that in 2 Corinthians? did not have his challenges of life removed. What did he get instead? He received grace. Did he not? 
he did receive grace and strength from the Lord to move forward despite the obstacles of life. God may or may not remove the challenges we face as we minister in Japan. He may or may not bring many repentance. He may or may not work in the hearts of men to desire for pastoral ministry. He may He may not give you and I that which we desire to have. But he gives us grace. He gives us grace in our lives to have satisfaction in him. Whether he does or not, God is making our lives, what? Smooth. Smooth. He's making our lives straight. What is being made smooth is not the road that we walk on or the actions that we take. Rather, it is the way we understand and respond to the various roads that we walk on. That is how God blesses us. And he will do this to all those who trust in him with all their hearts. And so, beloved, if you trust in the Lord as these verses have told us, you will not need to fret. For you know that the good and faithful God who is sovereign and wise and almighty has promised you to make your paths straight. Life often does not make sense to us. What happens in and around our lives make us confused and concerned. But when you have true trust, the true trust in God, it always anchors you down at the Bay of Hope. Hope that is so concrete and so sure that you will not be shaken by any winds or waves. No matter where you find yourself to be, you are right where God wants you to be. And what you perceive to be obstacles are simply the things that God is going to work through to accomplish his work in your life. There are no reasons for you not to trust in him. I love what Jerry Bridges says. He expresses in this way. And I quote, when we disobey God, when we disobey God, we defy his authority and despise his holiness. But when we fail to trust God, we doubt his sovereignty and question his goodness. In both cases, we cast aspersions 
upon his majesty and his character. We consider willful disobedience to be a serious sin against the holy God, don't we? Rightly so. How much do we consider this as a serious sin? Not trusting in God. To have confident hope. We better consider willful distrust to be as serious a sin against a sovereign God. You may feel like God is absent from your sight. You may feel like he is against you. But when you know him more intimately through the word of God, you will become confident that one who gave up his son on the cross for you will always be there for you. We must always view our adverse circumstances through the eyes of faith, not through the eyes of sense. Just the faith of salvation comes through hearing the message of the gospel. So the faith to trust God in adversity also comes through the word of God alone. The Bible tells us that God is sovereign. He executes his plan perfectly. He knows what he's doing and what he does is always, what he does is always good. And we understand, I mean, we don't understand what he does perfectly most of the time. Do you? I'm always confused. Lord, why is this good? So we may wonder why things happen. Things happen in a way it does. But we know. We know who, who is responsible for all that happens in our lives. And knowing that causes us to have confident hope. Again, I'm like a repeating soundbite here. Why do we think that? Why do we have confident hope? Because God is good. And he does good. I wish I can see thousands of Japanese turn to Christ because hundreds of pastors faithfully and accurately and boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to see all believers grow in the grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ as they gather together to edify one another. When I don't see that happening in ministry, and I indeed what appears to be the opposite take place in front of my eyes, there is a danger to lose my hope. Is there anything I can do? Can I go on? The roadblock is so high, I don't know if I can climb over. So pray for me. Pray for me that I will always have this perspective. I will always trust in the Lord with all my heart. 
I will lean not on my own understanding. In all my ways, I will know him, knowing that he will make my paths of ministry and my life smooth. I know that Lord is working no matter how hard the field may seem. And he is accomplishing what he sets out to do exactly the way he does. So pray that I will, I will find joy. I will find satisfaction. I will find the energy and desire to continue to serve our great God. And I will pray the same for all of you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. I thank you for who you are. You are great God. You are good God. And everything you do is absolutely wonderful. You can't actually do anything other than good. So, Lord, when we're going through the valley of the shadow of death, let us see the goodness. Let us be reminded of who you are, that we can trust in you. Kind of trust that we always, we, we can, we have that always Rely on you, on your truth. And that we will continue to know you. May that be the reality of our lives. I know there are people who are struggling. Even right now, at this very moment. I know we have people who are suffering. Lord, give them the perspective. Give them the biblical perspective that they will trust in you, will have absolute confident hope so that we can live our lives glorifying you no matter what we go through. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.